From NPR, this is Living on Earth. The Democrats are preparing to choose a candidate to challenge George W. Bush in 2004. And right now, there are nine contenders trying to break free from the pack and gain the momentum and money that front-runner status brings. Their views on the environment just may help set them apart from each other and from President Bush. Uh, I want to be a president who asks the Americans to do the right thing. I believe the sacrifices that are needed are the sacrificing of bad habits and the sacrificing of selfishness. But we do not have to ask Americans to sacrifice quality of life. This week from Los Angeles, we bring you a special candidates forum sponsored by the League of Conservation Voters. It's Democrats on the Environment, coming up on Living on Earth, right after this. Support for Living on Earth comes from the National Science Foundation and Stonyfield Farm. This is Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood, and welcome to Democrats on the Environment, a special forum for the party's presidential candidates sponsored by the League of Conservation Voters. We're here at the Ackerman Grand Ballroom on the campus of the University of California, Los Angeles, to hear the candidates discuss the environmental issues of the day and respond to questions from a panel of reporters. Of the nine declared Democratic presidential hopefuls, five are here today, including former U.S. Senator Carol Mosley Braun of Illinois, former Vermont Governor Howard Dean, U.S. Senators John Kerry of Massachusetts and Joseph Lieberman of Connecticut, and the Reverend Al Sharpton from New York. Joining me to question them are Pilar Marrero, political editor for the daily newspaper La Pignon, John North, a reporter with KABC-TV in Los Angeles, and Paul Rogers of the San Jose Mercury News. Warren Olney, host of member station KCRW's To The Point, is the forum's moderator. The president took some heat this week because the EPA's new report on the environment was said to have played down the issue of global warming. Senator Lieberman, how important do you think is global warming, and what specifically would you do about it? Uh, thank you, Warren. Uh, global warming is, is the most critical long-term environmental challenge that America and the world faces. Uh, this administration uh, has been uh, profoundly irresponsible in dealing with us. In fact, it pulled us out of the Kyoto Protocol to deal with global warming, and in doing so, separated us from the rest of the world in a way that's had profound and, and adverse consequences for our uh, foreign policy. Uh, incidentally, the decision by this administration to block out scientific fact from its EPA report about global warming because it didn't meet its political conclusions was outrageous. And it is more typical of the old Soviet Union than of the, uh, the United States of America. But it's not new for this administration. <clears throat> Uh, I have been fighting to do something about global warming since I came to the Senate in 1989. I went to Kyoto and Buenos Aires. John McCain and I today have the most comprehensive, uh, constructive, aggressive program to deal with global warming that anyone has yet produced. We're going to put it on as an amendment to the energy bill in the Senate uh, after July 4th when that bill comes up. It sets standards, caps. It would bring us to back or up to 2,000 emission levels by 2010 and uh, 1990 emissions level by 2016. That would not only protect us and the generations to follow us, 
but it would restore us to our moral role as leader of the world in dealing with a problem that we are the major cause of. Governor Dean, is there any, in your mind, any scientific uh, disagreement about global warming that's significant, or do you think it really is established fact? It's established fact, unless you're in the Bush administration. Um, it's clearly a scientific... I agree with Joe. One of the things that drives me absolutely crazy in, in all areas, not just the environmental, environmental area, is this president is willing to discard science because he doesn't care about science. This, this is an administration that has substituted thought for... Uh, excuse me, ideology for thought. And you can't run a country, you can't run a state, you can't run a company if facts don't matter and facts don't matter to this administration. I will note, however, just on a, a note of sort of sadness in one way, uh, this is Christy Whitman's last day on the job as an EPA director. And you may applaud, but this is a woman who I served with. She wasn't all that bad for a Republican on environmental issues. And she, she has to be leaving because nobody pays any attention to her. She hasn't run the EPA since she arrived there. It's all run by the right-wing young folks from inside the White House who don't care about environmental protection. She tried to do her job. She left because the White House to has told her what to do, and I think it's a disgrace. If global warming is a moral issue, Senator Lieberman, then do you have a responsibility to call on the American people to sacrifice in order to try to uh, deal with it? We're going to have to give something up? Uh, absolutely. Um, you, you sacrifice for a purpose, and the purpose is to protect the generations that will follow us here in America and, and on overall on Earth from the dire and potentially catastrophic consequences of climate change and global warming. So what sacrifices do we need to make? Pardon? What sacrifices do we need to make? Well, uh, we're, we're, number one, uh, and this is part of uh, my own energy declaration of independence, uh, we, we've got to break our addiction to foreign oil. Uh, we've got to break our addiction to oil. Uh, don't expect leadership on that front from an administration that is from oil, by oil, and for oil. Uh, I, as president, uh, I'm going uh, to do better than that. We've got to invest in new technologies. We've got to be willing to take on what's a controversial uh, matter in the Democratic Party. We've got to demand by law that American automakers produce cars that are fuel efficient. Uh, and I set a standard in my proposal of 40 miles per gallon average fuel efficiency uh, by uh, the year 2015. This is all about leadership, and leadership that doesn't uh, do uh, just what's popular at the moment by ignoring uh, problems, uh, but Senator, leadership uh, that sees a problem coming over the horizon and asked uh, the American people to do something about that. The bill I have with John McCain would do exactly that in, in 80 percent of the uh, emissions of our Let me country. go to uh, former Senator uh, Mosley Braun and, and ask you the same question. Do you think that the American people are going to have to give things up in order to cope with the environment? Is that something that you think is going to be part of the Democratic campaign uh, next year? At the outset, I want to thank the League of Conservation Voters and everybody here for coming and for having this dialogue and discussion. I think these issues, when Jill Lieberman uses the term morality and outrage in connection with what's happening with environmental protection, uh, he's exactly right. These people have missed the point altogether. This administration has, has lied to the American people, and we have failed in our responsibility in a variety of ways, emissions policy just being one of them, pulling out of Kyoto being just one of them. But let me say that while there will have to be sacrifices, I think in some ways that sets up almost a false set of choices. 
Uh, the fact of the matter is that we can reduce our dependence on carbon-based fuels. We can have technology investment in the first instance and technology transfer that will get us away from this addiction to, uh, to the uh, energy policies that are killing our planet. Uh, we can make choices, sensible choices, that will give us, in some ways, a more conservative lifestyle, but certainly not one that will pit one group of Americans against another, pit uh, 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 economic development against protection of the environment. Uh, that set of false choices has been, I think, the smokescreen for an awful lot of confusion around these issues and has helped to uh, peel off constituencies and people who might otherwise in not only understand but support conservation uh, based on the notion that they'll lose their jobs. I think that that's a false set of choices. I think we should make the point to the American people as Democrats that we can rebuild this economy, we can jumpstart this, this, this economy, we can create jobs, and we can protect our environment at the same time. Senator Kerry, uh, we've heard that this is a moral issue, that it's terribly important. We've heard that sacrifices uh, will need to be made if we're going to reduce our dependence on foreign oil, if we're going to cut back on, uh, on pollution. But what specific sacrifices are going to have to be called for? Well, let me speak to that in a moment. But first, I want to say, uh, first of all, thank you for the privilege of being here. Secondly, let me say that with respect to the EPA, that is one of the most disgraceful steps by this administration that keeps faith with their continued effort to say one thing and do another. And I sent a letter to the Inspector General of the EPA asking that they conduct an appropriate investigation of how it is that the White House doctored what is an official government document by a departing uh, secretary. I think that's inappropriate and we should do that. Secondly, with respect to the question of sacrifice, I think it's critical for us, uh, I certainly believe, uh, I want to be a president who asks the Americans to do the right thing. I believe the sacrifices that are needed are the sacrificing of bad habits and the sacrificing of selfishness. But we do not have to ask Americans to sacrifice quality of life. And that's a critical distinction to make as we think about what we are saying to Americans. We have the technology, we have the capacity, we have the will, we have the commitment, we have the entrepreneurial skill to be able to develop the means of driving better cars without reducing their capacity to carry the soccer mom to the field, without reducing the capacity of people on farms to be able to do what they do. So we need to talk directly to the American people. I want the cars of the future made in Detroit. I want them made by Americans. And I believe that this administration is culpable of walking away from America and from jobs by not exciting the possibilities of the future vehicles. I drove over here today with, a, with Peter Horton in an electric car that they've ceased to make at GM. Honda and Toyota are making the hybrids. We need a leadership that is going to say that by the year 2020, 20% 20 of America's electricity is going to be produced from alternatives and renewables. We're going to raise the uh, emission standards of our cars, just like you all had the courage to do out here in California. And we are going to set this country on the path to energy independence. We're going to create the jobs of the future in doing so. And we don't have to sacrifice one iota of quality of life to do that. Reverend Sharpton, if it does come down 
at some point to a choice between jobs and the environment. Which is more important? Well, first of all, uh, let me join my colleagues in thanking the League for having uh, this forum. And as I said, I was a little late working my way through the smog to get here, which is why I want to be president, so we can have standards against that. But let me say, we must not allow this administration to continue to use the boogeyman in every argument. They've used it to justify Iraq. They're using it to try and do what they're doing in the environment and to try to stop us from moving from a oil-dependent uh, economy. Uh, the fact of the matter is, to ask someone are they going to sacrifice their job for their health is like asking a drug addict, are you going to sacrifice dope for your health? The fact of the matter is, we should not uh, try and act as though we have a choice in terms of moving to what is more efficient, more healthy, more life-sustaining, and is better for our grandchildren and their grandchildren. So to try and act like Americans are so cheap that we would rather be paid to do something that is detrimental than to try and achieve the transfer into hybrid uh, vehicles and electric vehicles. Americans understand if they are exposed to the facts that where we are now will harm us, it will bring us to levels that we cannot sustain uh, uh, the, the humanity of this country and humanity of the world, and we ought not make false choices to them with the boogeyman saying you got to hold on to your job, therefore choke yourself to death. I think that as we build toward efficiency and health, we ought not tell people that the payoff is that they can get paid to kill themselves. You're listening to Democrats on the Environment, a special forum for the party's presidential candidates sponsored by the League of Conservation Voters. Our broadcast from the Ackerman Grand Ballroom at the University of California, Los Angeles, continues in just a minute. Stay tuned to Living on Earth. Welcome back to Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood. We continue now with Democrats on the Environment, a special forum for the party's presidential candidates sponsored by the League of Conservation Voters. It's just about time to go to the uh, questions from the uh, reporters. Uh, let me just ask any of you to uh, chime in at this moment and, and uh, uh, raise an issue. Give us a priority. Give us a, uh, a particular issue that you're concerned about very briefly, 10 seconds. Let me just go down the line. Uh, Senator Lieberman, you first. Uh, the Clean Power Act. You know, air pollution in America is causing 30,000 people to die prematurely every day. And a lot of this is coming from old power plants. The Bush administration actually wants to make that worse with the proposal it's made, which would cause 9,000 additional people to die earlier than they otherwise would. So you want to crack would. down on emissions from power plants. Clean Power Act, uh, close the loophole, uh, close the, uh, the, the old plants uh, unless they can clean up and, and, and not, not hurt people, governor not Dean. kill people. When I was governor, my major environmental contribution was conservation. The top priorities as president, conservation and wilderness, uh, brown, dealing with brownfields and making Superfund work again, and then the biggest em emphasis is reducing our uh, reliance on foreign oil using renewables in a sustainable economy. Okay, Senator Brown, same thing, 15, 20 seconds. Um, when I was in the Senate, I did brownfields legislation, and I would certainly want to continue in that regard. I also was active in past legislation having to do with environmental justice, which is another whole issue. But I also think that the issue of agriculture policy and public lands is a place where we really have to focus in terms of, of protecting the environment. Senator Kerry? I want to change the entire debate and discussion about the environment in this country. 
It is about jobs, it's about health, it's about our legacy as a generation, and it is about national security. And we need to make it clear to the country that the false choice that's been given by this administration, it's either jobs or the environment, is wrong. The environment is jobs, and we're going to prove to Americans we can put them to work, and we're going to do it in a way, Warren, that's just. Eighty percent of all the Hispanics in America live in counties that have bad air. Twenty-five percent of the kids in New York have asthma today. We need an environmental justice enforcement at the Civil Rights uh, Department of the uh, Justice Department, and I intend to guarantee that we restore that. Reverend Sharpton, a new, new subject. Go ahead. New, you were asking yeah, me the same question. 10 or 15 seconds, whatever oh, you'd like to okay. uh, introduce. No, I, I, environmental justice. I think that we've seen various communities in this country uh, penalized just because of where they were and the income level. Uh, we've seen in, in some of these emission trade agreements that has impacted people wrongly. I would clearly uh, fight hard for environmental justice. I would also fight for an absolute cap on uh, carbon dioxide, I would absolutely re-enter uh, the discussions around the Kyoto Accord. All right. Uh, I do want to ask one question. Maybe it will come up with the uh, reporters. But uh, uh, a question would be, it seems to me, uh, would you vote for the Kyoto Treaty as it currently uh, exists? But uh, let's just leave that one hanging uh, for a moment. I think it's interesting. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not my turn anymore. It's time for the reporters to get, uh, to get their opportunity. And I want to introduce them uh, first. They are Pilar Marrero, who is pol politics editor for the Spanish-language newspaper La Opinion. Steve Kerwood, who is host of National Public Radio's Living on Earth, Paul Rogers, environment reporter for the San Jose Mercury News, and John North, who's a reporter for KABC Television in Los Angeles. Now, each reporter will ask a question of one candidate with an opportunity for one follow-up. As you know, and I'll try to enforce it to this time around, I've been having a little trouble seeing the signs, uh, it has been agreed that the answer to each question won't go for more than one minute. Uh, you'll then have uh, 30 seconds for a follow-up. Uh, so we'll just go round robin until we run out of time. And the first question comes from uh, Pilar Marrero, and it goes to Senator Kerry. Senator, there are many studies, as you were mentioning, that show that low-income neighborhoods are more likely to have major sources of pollution in other areas. For example, Latinos are more likely to live near a toxic emitting plant, and children from low-income families tend to live in areas where there's more traffic and exposure to automobile emissions. How, what do you uh, plan to do to address some of these inequities, some specific measures? I've been deeply involved in uh, this issue for a long time. I was, I was involved in the first Earth Day. I was chairman of New England Earth Day 1990. And on this Earth Day, this year, I chose to go to Roxbury, Massachusetts, uh, not the place where most people think of the environmental movement. And I went there to announce that I will appoint an assistant attorney general for environmental justice and reinvigorate the department in order to deal with what is an epidemic across our country of, of, of unfairness. I mean, we have, everybody knows, this institutionalized, separate, and unequal school system in America. And we have a racial profiling that takes place in everyday life in America, where loans cost more, cars cost more, homes cost more, because of a kind of profiling in our economy against people of color. And their lives are degraded on a daily basis, whether it's lead paint poisoning or whether it is uh, diesel trucks that drive through the community because those are the routes they're given That's or toxic mind. waste sites. And the bottom line is that 
that minorities live next to toxic waste sites and dumps more than any other people in the country, and we have to give their voices power. I intend to do that as President of the United States. Can you it, give us an idea of a specific, a couple of specific measures? Or yes, I have created, I've put forward a proposal to build on what we know worked with the empowerment zones, but I'm going to create environmental zones, empowerment zones. And we are going to specifically target money in order to clean up the sites, to follow through, needless to say, the Superfund sites. The funding of Superfund is a disgrace by this president. He has changed the polluter pays principles. I am going to restore those principles, and we are going to continue to be able to fund Superfunds. There are 99 sites in California alone. And if you look at where most of those sites are, you will find poor people uh, who, who, on whom they've been shunted. I think it is essential for us to have a president who cares about that. There's no way you can be president for all Americans if you don't. Senator Mosley Braun, we're going to go uh, or, uh, as, according to prearranged order. Uh, so uh, the next question will come from uh, Steve Kerwood, and it goes to uh, Governor Dean. Uh, Governor Dean, um, I guess your title is also Dr. Dean, you're a physician. Um, and the point that Senator Kerry made about uh, lead is something I'd like to follow up with you. Research indicates, recent research indicates, that even small amounts of childhood lead exposure are related to increased rates of delinquency and crime, along with learning disabilities. This is a major problem in this country because there are perhaps 100 million homes that still have lead paint in them, and many of the homes that have seriously deteriorating lead paint where these children are poisoned are in homes of people of color, people of poverty. Um, lead is said to be perhaps the single most preventable disease in America today, and yet nothing has effectively been done about it. What's your prescription? Let me tell you what we did in our state. Not only is lead preventable, but it also is a significant contributor to uh, learning disabilities when kids get to school. Here's what we did. We have a very old housing stock. We simply put a lot of money in to, first of all, we banned lead paint, which has done, been done nationally. We put a lot of, we lowered the standards of uh, lead that were supposed to be in kids' blood. We tested them. We test virtually every kid. We have a law that now that uh, we, where we can do that. And then we put a bunch of money in to go through old housing stocks where poor people lived, and it's very expensive, take the paint off the wall and put new paint in. It's expensive. Landlords have to pay for some of it, but it has to be done. The only way to get lead out of kids is, first of all, uh, to make sure that the paint comes off and that they're living in lead-free homes, and you have to do that with a combination of money and regulation, uh, and secondly, second of all, to deal with the environmental racism issue. And if I just may for a second. Your, your minute is just about up. In that case, I won't for a second. Steve, me, you want to ask let, a follow-up? Yeah, well, let me follow up. Th that's wonderful that you've done that in Vermont. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the vast bulk of these kids who are being poisoned aren't in Vermont, uh, uh, Governor. So There's not a vast bulk of much in Vermont. <laughs> Small There's state. plenty of milk in Vermont. There's wonderful milk in Vermont. The beautiful hills, not a lot of lead. You're President of the United States. Your dream, your wish right now, okay? You're President of the United States, and you're looking at this problem as a health problem. Sure. Because I tell you, one of the things that happens, when this increases the crime rate, Everybody suffers in the society. It's not just the kid who has a learning disability. Um, this increased link to crime seems to be very important demographically. We don't have time really to talk about it. What do you do to implement this? What you do you do, do to implement look, this? Look, my health care plan for the country, my universal health care plan, is based on what we did in Vermont. 
In Vermont, everybody under 18 has health insurance, and everybody under 150% of poverty has health insurance. That will work for the country. So will our lead program. If we can get the lead out of kid, poor kids who are in a state of 600,000 people, you can do that in the country using exactly the same formula. It takes a combination of one, federal funding, two, legislation dealing with landlords who have lead-based paint in their house, uh, and three, outreach and testing of kids. If you can do it in a state, you can do it in the country. Pilar Marrero, a question for Senator Lieberman. Yes, Senator. Um, the North American free trade agreement between Mexico, U.S., and Canada has increased trade between the countries and produced jobs. But with increased economic opportunity have come greater environmental degradation and criticism that trucking traffic and maquiladoras or U.S.-owned manufacturing plants south of the border are having a negative effect on the environment. Advocates say the protections in NAFTA are not enough and that the U.S. is exporting more than goods. It's exporting pollution to the area. What is your position? Do you think NAFTA needs to be revisited? Uh, I supported NAFTA, supported President Clinton, who supported NAFTA because I thought it would be good for the economies of both countries. But, you know, we, we, we listen, we look, we experience, and we learn. And I think one of the things that the Clinton-Gore administration learned, and, and I supported as we went on, is that we had to put uh, environmental standards into labor agreements to make sure that uh, the environment of the country with which we were, we were negotiating and ourselves, particularly our neighbor, uh, to the to the south we're not being compromised I think that's the that's the way to go I will tell you also this goes in some ways to your previous question uh, about uh, environmental justice uh, during 2000 uh, I took a, uh, a a truth tour of uh, Texas to to look at the Bush record and I visited the colonias along the Mexican American border uh, with Texas and the, the the desperate conditions that people are living in the fact that George W. Bush never visited there, the, the environmental challenges that they are facing, I think were an indication of what was to come when uh, George W. Bush became president. And unfortunately, he's carried out that same disregard uh, for the environment and for people's health. Your, uh, your, your minute is up, Pilar. Do you have a follow-up? Yeah, more specifically, there are laws already that regulate the movement of waste and toxics across the border. But even EPA officials has, have said they don't have the funding to activate the monitoring of this. And as such, there are lots of gaps in the control. How would you deal with stuff like that in the term? Okay, this is all about uh, priorities, which leadership is about. And, and I know we're not here to talk about the president's fiscal policies, but they have been as irresponsible as his environmental policies. He's given away our national treasury in a tax cut that hasn't worked. And what that means is that the rest of government that we depend on for the safety net for the poor, for hopes uh, by improving education and health care and environmental protection is being compromised. Do you know that uh, criminal uh, environmental enforcement is down 40% since Bush became president? I passed a law in Congress that quadrupled the number of criminal investigators. As president, I will give the Environmental Protection Agency the money it needs to investigate and enforce. You know how to deal with environmental injustices Senator. simply by equally enforcing the law. I'm going to make... Uh, try to equally enforce the time here. <laughs> okay, I yield. All right, Steve Kerwood, a question for Senator Kerry. Senator Kerry, I, I think you'd agree with me that this is an extremely important election that we're looking at. Um, this is an important turning point in history. I mean, every election, of course, in a democracy is important, but this one 
is really big. No? No, that's not the question, though. Oh, God, I was hoping. (laughs) (laughs) No, the question is this. I was about to say, nice question. (laughs) This is something that if if you win this nomination, you're going to go out there, you feel like you must win. Campaigning on the environment. How do you think you can beat Mr. Bush, given that he's campaigning against the environment, as you gentlemen and uh, Senator Braun have, have said here a number of times? In other words, what do you think this issue is going to do for you with voters? Mr. Bush is calling it the other way. He says that voters want to see these rollbacks. Well, it's not what it does for me. It's, it's what it does for us. It's what it does for our nation. I believe that, uh, and I'm sure my colleagues here share this, uh, this is part of a series of choices this administration is offering that are completely contrary to the needs, interests, concerns, and future of our country. I respectfully suggest to everybody here that on every single choice in front of this nation, there is a better choice than this administration is offering us. With respect to health care with respect to the environment, with respect to children, with respect to education, housing, infrastructure, uh, our relationship in the world. And this issue is part of that vision. This issue, the environment, number one, it's not just about the environment. It's about our role in the world. It's about our legacy to our children. It's about the jobs that we will create for the future and whether or not they will be high-value-added jobs based on technology that raise our standard of living. God only gave us 3% of the world's oil. I'm proud that I led the fight to stop the Arctic wildlife drilling, and I'm proud that John McCain and I led a fight to raise the emission standards, which we lost. On that's, the your, that's your minute, to, uh, Senator. But, Steve, you have you. a follow-up. Yeah, I do have a follow-up. Senator, um, perhaps the biggest issue, though, in this election and these times is national security. You mentioned national security as something that the environment is related to. How does the issue of national security and the environment help you win this election? Well, I believe that uh, I am particularly well-suited to take on President Bush with respect to national security because I look forward to reminding Americans that I know something about aircraft carriers because I've worked with them for real. And I intend to point out to the president that landing on an aircraft carrier at the hands of a skilled Navy pilot does not make up for rolling back every single environmental choice in this nation. And in addition to that, I will point out to Americans that, look, we're taking $20 billion a year and dumping it into the pockets of some of the most uncooperative and repressive regimes in the world. And that money finds its way to those who hate Israel and those who hate the United States. And we need to begin, for the sake of our own future, to liberate any young serviceman from ever being held hostage to our dependency on Middle East oil. We do that by striking out for independence. That's the national security issue. I'm sorry this president doesn't see it, but everybody here does. And at the end of this campaign, America will see it. Paul Rogers, question for Governor Dean. Uh, Governor Dean, at least half of America's uh, current corn crop and uh, large percentages of other crops are uh, genetically modified. As the only physician on the panel today, do you think genetically modified foods are safe to eat? Yes, but I believe that we ought to have a national labeling law so people, because people have the right to know what they eat. 
we went through this with BST. I signed a label with bovine somatotrophin, which is a hormone that stimulates milk production. I've been through all the studies. There's no Here's the problems with GMOs. It's not whether they're safe to eat or not. It's one, genetic drift, which is incredibly unfair to organic farmers. And two, it's do people have a right to know what's in their food? And I think they do, so we signed a labeling law. So in our state, you can tell if your milk product has BST in it and avoid it if you choose. And I think that's not only the same choice that we ought to get here, the Europeans are entitled to that choice. You're listening to Democrats on the Environment, a special forum for the party's presidential candidates sponsored by the League of Conservation Voters. Our broadcast from the Ackerman Grand Ballroom at the University of California, Los Angeles, continues in just a minute. It's Living on Earth. Funding for Living on Earth comes from the World Media Foundation Environmental Information Fund. Major contributors include the Oak Foundation, supporting coverage of marine issues, and the Geraldine R. Dodge Foundation. Support also comes from NPR member stations and Bob Williams and Meg Caldwell, honoring NPR's coverage of environmental and natural resource issues, and in support of the NPR President's Council and Paul and Marsha Ginsburg in support of excellence in public radio. It's Living on Earth. I'm Steve Kerwood. We continue now with Democrats on the Environment, a special forum for the party's presidential candidates sponsored by the League of Conservation Voters. Um, Senator Lieberman, I've seen you at the climate change talks in Kyoto and Buenos Aires. Um, The Kyoto process has run into a brick wall known as the Bush administration right now, but The law of the land does include the UN Framework Convention on Climate Change. This is something that was signed by the United States, ratified by the United States Senate. Perhaps you voted to ratify it, in fact. My question is this. Um, This law, which requires the United States to implement programs to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, to report them, and uh, to attempt to make the effort to get to a, uh, a reduction, Uh, How well do you think this law is being implemented by the Bush administration? And if you were President of the United States, how would you implement the law of the land, otherwise known as UN Framework Convention on Climate Change? Uh, Like every, most every other environmental law, this one is not being at all implemented by the Bush administration. I mean, this is the most anti-environment administration in our history. Much worse than Reagan and incredibly worse than the first President Bush. There's a disregard for the law and for the reality of the threat that environmental uh, pollutants uh, frame our future and our health. People are hurting from what's happening now. The problem with the UN framework, of course, is that it had no teeth in it. That's why we went to Kyoto. Um, That's why the nations of the world came together and said, we've got a problem here, and if we don't deal with it, people are going to get hurt low-lying lands are going to disappear, and that includes in the United States of America. Diseases will travel to places they haven't been before. This requires leadership. That's why Kyoto was negotiated. I was there. Vice President Gore was there. We were moving towards something, and then the Bush administration just came in and said, forget about it. An act of colossal irresponsibility for which history will hold this administration accountable. I will be committed to doing something about this from the first day I get into the Oval Office, and that will begin with the McCain-Lieberman Climate Change Control Bill. Standards, uh, caps, Senator, you're out of time. and market-based mechanisms to make it happen. We've got to lead here. <laughs> well, um, but with all due respect, I don't think you really responded to my question directly. 
The, the Kyoto... Well, I uh, certainly responded to the, the, the UN... <laughs> that's true. Thank you. Yes. The UN Framework Convention may not have any teeth, but by golly, it's got gums and a bite to it. Yeah. And what it does is it requires the United States government to implement a program of greenhouse gas reductions. We're required under this. Right. 30 seconds. We, well, uh, we're in violation of it. We ha we, it has no teeth. So oh, I'd, 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 do, I'd continue to do all the other things that I've done. My, my energy independence program would require greater, much greater fuel efficiency, 400 miles a gallon. Uh, the Clean Power Act that I've co-sponsored with Jim uh, Jeffords would clean up uh, those power plants and close down the old ones so there wasn't as much junk in the air, etc., etc., etc. Look, the important thing about greenhouse gas and climate change responses is, as somebody said to me, it's a win-win. Not only do you prevent uh, the most catastrophic effects of global warming in the future, but today you clean up the air. So people are not dying, or, and 150,000 kids in Los Angeles have asthma, aggravated by dirty air. If we did some of this, took some of the steps I've talked Senator, about, your, your 30 seconds has, has expired. Pilar, a question for uh, Governor Dean. Governor, water quality is becoming a bigger issue for populations in the inner cities when all plumbing or treatment plants are decaying and in rural areas and small communities. There needs to be an investment in infrastructure, but in the last 20 years, the federal government hasn't lived up to that. Do you have plans to address this? I do. I think the president's been incredibly foolish to have these enormous tax cuts, which really haven't helped Americans with jobs at all. Here's what I'd do for jobs. First, stimulate small business because they create more jobs than large businesses do, and they don't move their jobs to Indonesia. Uh, and secondly, invest in infrastructure. Now, in our state, we're very careful about what we do. We invest in sewer and water, but we don't invest in sewer and water if it leads to urban sprawl. We don't want certain infrastructure because we know if we build it, then the development that we don't want follows. But we need to fix the old infrastructure now. It'll create jobs. It'll build an infrastructure for the new economy, and it'll reduce the pollution that's going to our waters. And that's a much better investment than giving tax cuts to people like Ken Lay. Another issue with water is the levels of toxics in the water, and specifically mercury. If you go to the supermarket here in California, you'll see notices saying that children and pregnant women shouldn't eat certain kinds of fish because they contain high levels of mercury. What would you specifically advocate in terms of reduction in mercury and other emissions? This is one of the ways you can win on an environment. You've got to connect people with the consequences. You can't just talk about coal pollution, which is the way to reduce mercury. Uh, pollution is to reduce what's going on in the Midwest. You've got to say just what you said, that you can't eat the fish in my part of the country because there's a mercury advisory in almost every freshwater lake in New England and in the East. So you've got to win by connecting what happens to the environment to average American voters, not talking about greenhouse gases and TMDLs and all these things, connected to their everyday lives. What you do with mercury is what, is what we need to do with mercury. We need to deal with the emissions from coal-burning plants in the Midwest, and we do, need to fundamentally go after all the, all the sources of mercury, but most of that is air pollution. Uh, Paul Rogers, question for Senator Kerry. Uh, Senator Kerry, one of the other uh, Democratic candidates, Dennis Kucinich, isn't here today. He's at a rally with Ralph Nader uh, on the East Coast and the Green Party. Uh, some environmentally-minded voters have join the Green Party. Uh, supporters say that the Green Party is not as beholden to special interests as the Democratic Party is, uh, while opponents say that Ralph Nader's candidacy in 2000 cost Al Gore the election by siphoning away critical votes in Florida and New Hampshire. Uh, what's your view of that? 
Well, I think it did obviously siphon away some votes, and clearly Al Gore had to spend a significant amount of money in a number of states, uh, Washington, Oregon, elsewhere, in order to pull back from where it was. Um, I know Ralph, Rader, Ralph Nader, I've, uh, Ralph Rader, that's probably appropriate here. Uh, <laughs> I've, uh, I've uh, sat with him and talked to him already in the course of the last months. Look, we have to talk to those people. To a degree, it is the fault of the Democratic Party for not having stood up and been clear about our agenda. And I believe, uh, I believe we have to make it crystal clear. I see no reason. I went through and read the Green Party platform. I don't agree with every single part of it, but I certainly agree with the components on the environment and raising the standards of our trade negotiations and things we need to do to bring people up. I'm going to talk to those people, and I am going to provide a series of clear choices on water, on air, on, on environmental justice, on global warming. We cannot drill our way out of this problem. We have to invent our way out of this problem, and we need to get about the business of doing it now. Well, I think we can attract those voters. Want to ask a follow-up? Uh, specifically, uh, which sections of the Green Party platform or Green Party issues do you disagree with? Well, it's a long platform, and I don't have time in 30 seconds to go through it all, but I, I, they were specifically opposed to any of the trade agreements in the 1990s, and I thought Bill Clinton led us to a place where we created 43 million new jobs. We had the lowest inflation, the lowest unemployment. We not only balanced the budget, but we paid down the debt of our nation for two successive years, and we did it trading. I want to lead us to a place where we not only create that kind of economy, but where we have a smarter set of trade alternatives now that raise the standards on labor and environment. No goods should ever enter this country that have touched the hands of children, and we need a president who begins to enforce those kinds of standards. John North, question for Governor Dean. Governor, you've had reservations, I understand, about the Kyoto Protocol. Can you give us your problems with the Kyoto Protocol, and what would it take for you to support it? First, let me say that I think we need to find a way to sign the Kyoto pr pr Protocol. The biggest problem with the uh, Kyoto Protocol is it doesn't ask the developing nations to do anything, and that's an enormous problem. We don't want to move our smokestack industries offshore to avoid uh, the things they're going to have to do to comply with Kyoto. So what I want to do is, in the, when the window comes up in 2006, we need to get back into the negotiations, and here's my proposal. La allow developing nations, require them to, com to comply, reduce greenhouse gases, Give them a 20-year run-in instead of a five-year run-in that we ought to have, and then have the G8 pay for between 25 and 30 percent of their costs. We have got to get all the – I've been – spent some significant amount of time in both China and Brazil. I know what they're doing to the environment there. That is not acceptable, and Kyoto has to apply to all of us. But we need to be in a mode where we negotiate it successfully so we can sign it. Well, connected to that, do you believe in the United States in a hard cap on pollution from power plants? Pardon me? A cap on pollution from power plants? Um, yeah, we should. But, and I'm going, to use this, I'm going to use my remaining 25 seconds to put forth a proposal that I haven't been able to do because of this format. I'm the only guy here who's ever had a deal on the ground with Brownfields and with Superfund. My proposal for that is that let the federal government take over the liability and let them sue the corporations because I can tell you I've had Superfund sites in my state that it's taken years and years and years to clean up. We'll do the cleanup first and then let the feds sue to let the polluters pay. We need those brownfields. We need the Superfund sites cleaned up first. Let the feds go after the corporations, get the cleanup done first. I just have to point out that the format was negotiated between the campaigns and the sponsors of the, uh, of the event. 
I get my 25 seconds. <laughs> Pilar uh, Marrero, question for uh, Reverend Sharpton. Uh, Reverend, among the top spenders in campaign contributions and lobbying in Washington are some of the biggest oil, energy, and automakers who have thrown tens of millions of dollars to politicians seeking to influence policy on issues such as global warming, uh, fuel economy standards, and the Kyoto Protocol. Don't you believe there's something wrong with the system that allows this, and what would you do to fix it? Well, I not only think there's something wrong with it, I think the results are what we see. They've been able to, in effect, buy their way into situations that have rendered the American people uh, in an environmental precarious position. I think that we need to expose that. One of the things I think we must do in 2004 is have a, a, a theme in the democratic race of follow the money. And we need to show where the money went and where clean water went, where the money went and where clear air went, where the money went and where regulations of, of, of some of these big oil companies. I mean, the Bush administration has been so pro-oil at a time that we need the world to get off of this hostage uh, situation we're in in terms of dependent on Middle East oil. It is so oily in Washington now, it's downright greasy. <laughs> And we need to make that case to the American people to get the greasy people out of Washington and bring the right people in. Now, should high-level officials like uh, presidents and vice presidents and Congress people that have, have or have had uh, some friends in the oil industry or have been in the oil industry, should they excuse themselves from making these decisions? Well, I, I, I clearly think where there's a conflict of interest uh, in any area, and especially this one, people should uh, excuse themselves. Uh, I, I don't think they will, so I think that the American public is going to have to do it for them. Uh, this administration has clearly had more conflicts of interest in two years than we've probably seen in a lifetime. And I think that we've clearly got to expose it. We have got to stop being timid. Uh, about things. They went after the Democrats with a vengeance on non-issues. We have real things to go after Bush and Cheney about in their conflicts. We're not being defeated as much as we're surrendering. We need to take the fight to them on behalf of the American people. We have some questions that have been submitted by uh, people in the audience, people uh, on the Internet, and I want to uh, take the few remaining moments we have uh, to ask those. And let me put the next one to, uh, uh, to uh, Reverend Sharpton. I'll just go down the list. Brian uh, Holland of Atlanta, Georgia, asks this. Globalization has provided economic growth, but also has had significant eco environmental impacts, such as deforestation and overfishing. How would you hold multinational corporations accountable and address environmental degradation associated with trade? Well, first of all, I, I'm opposed to many of the trade agreements, including NAFTA and others in the uh, 90s. I think that uh, for any trade agreement, though, that I would support as president or advocate in uh, this campaign, you must have a strong uh, environmental part of the trade agreement that is enforceable. We cannot, in the name of trade, go against the best interests of the people of the world. We have too long allowed government to say we must sacrifice environment, sacrifice health, in order to stimulate 
uh, uh, the, the economy either globally or domestically. And I don't think that's a fair exchange. I think we need a president that says clearly some things are non-negotiable, and that, in my judgment, should be non-negotiable. Next question to uh, Senator Mosley Braun. This comes from uh, Dan Scholes of Rosalie, Illinois. Uh, or excuse me, Roselle, Illinois, I beg your pardon. Uh, what do you feel is the most significant challenge to protecting our remaining wilderness areas, and how would you address it? Well, the most significant challenge is this administration, it seems to me. <laughs> um, I think that we have to be very clear about wildlife conservation, funding fish and wildlife, to make certain that we uh, actually enforce and, and don't let them continue to gut the Endangered Species Act. Um, I think we have to deal with the issue of, uh, of the of, of, uh, the the sprawl that's endangering wild, uh, our uh, wilderness areas. Um, and we have to, again, go back and look at the whole issue of enforcement, which I think really is the biggest issue we have with this administration and where we are right now. And in that regard, I, I, I want to point out that one of the most insidious things that they're doing has to do with packing the courts. They are packing the courts with, with jurists who have an anti-environmental agenda. And this is something I think we really have to be very concerned about. We also have to be concerned about breaking up the kind of revolving door cabal that this administration has put in place. Stop is upside down. <laughs> uh, uh, the cabal that they put in place of people who really uh, have no problem at all with allowing for development to run amok and destroy wilderness areas uh, uh, without, without concern for protecting our, our, our our heritage. I'm going to go a bit out of order because according to our timers, Governor Dean hasn't had quite as much time as uh, the other guests have. So, Governor Dean, I'll put this one to you. Uh, this comes from uh, Phil Landrigan. It doesn't say where Phil Landrigan is located. Children are especially vulnerable to environmental contaminants because of their developing immune systems. What steps would you take to protect children from environmental threats? We talked about environmental racism. I think the key to the environmental racism is to raise the bar for all pollution and if the more pollution is in minority communities, that stops too. That implies to all children. We've talked about lead. That's absolutely critical. We've talked about mercury. That's absolutely critical. The bottom line is, if we want to win this election based on environmental issues, we have got to connect the, connect the environment, as I was saying, to mercury, directly through families, to talk about what happens to your child when they go to the emergency room with an asthma attack. Those are the kinds of things that we can do. Talk directly about children and then connect it to the environment, just as we connect national security of the environment by not having a renewable energy policy of any kind. That's all the time we have for questions and answers. Once again, according to the format negotiated by the campaigns and the uh, sponsors, uh, thanks very much to Pilar Moreto, Steve Kerwood, Paul Rogers, and John North for joining us. You've been listening to Democrats on the Environment, a special forum for the party's presidential candidate sponsored by the League of Conservation Voters. Our broadcast was produced by Chris Baldwin and Ingrid Lobet with help from Nate Marcy. For more on the environmental voting records of all the Democratic candidates and an analysis of the Bush White House voting record on the environment, visit our website, livingonearth.org. That's livingonearth.org. We're produced by the World Media Foundation in cooperation with Harvard University. Allison Dean composed our themes. Our technical director is Al Avery. I'm Steve Kerwood, executive producer. Thanks for listening. Funding for Living on Earth comes from the National Science Foundation, supporting coverage of emerging science, and Stonyfield Farm, organic yogurt, cultured soy, and smoothies. 
10% of their profits are donated to support environmental causes and family farms. Learn more at stonyfield.com. Support also comes from NPR member stations and the Annenberg Foundation, and Toms of Maine, maker of natural care products and creator of the Rivers Awareness Program to preserve the nation's waterways. Information at participating stores or tomsofmaine.com. This is NPR, National Public Radio.